of God. I'm a friend of God. I am a friend of God. Friend of God. I am a friend of God. He calls me friend.
Thank you, God, that as we see these words that were written a long, long time ago that remind us of um, that we have a lot of stuff to bear with, a lot of heaviness in our lives, and that we carry it around in us, and we have a, a friend. We have a Savior who not only is our Savior, but is our friend who loves us so much to just take all those things. Um, God, there's nothing that we go through that you don't know. There's no struggle, no temptation, no hurt or anything that we go through that you don't know about. And so, God, um, during this time, we ask that this, uh, this place, Haven, be just that, a safe place where we can turn over to God, turn over to you exactly what we need um, to turn over to so that we can be free. Um, for when you are free in Christ, you are free indeed. And so, God, in this time, just send your Holy Spirit moving in a mighty way. And for that, we'll give you praise in all things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, everyone, our children can head to our shoreline, and everyone else can go ahead and greet one another. <clears throat> Excuse me, Ramon. Hello? Test, test. Hello? Hello? There I am. Okay. How you doing? <clears throat> I think there's something stuck in my throat. All right. Good morning. Everybody feeling good? <clears throat> Excuse me. All right. Here we go. Welcome, visitors, if you're, welcome, if you're here with us today. Um, a lot of times our greeters do a great job, but occasionally... Um, they miss somebody, people are coming in, and you get past them, um, and they didn't tackle you. Um, I remember there was, used to be a church video about, ter it was Terry Tate, office li uh, offering linebacker. Remember that office linebacker guy who used to tackle people? They had that as a church video one time, and when it came time for offering, he would tackle people, and so it was kind of funny. So maybe one I'll, sh I'll show you that one day, but um, we don't have our greeters that tackle you, but hopefully you received a card. If you would, fill that out. And you can take it to the back over here and give that, um, hand that in. We have a small gift for you. Um, for others, um, if you're viewing a part of church online for the first time, please let us know that as well so that we can connect with you and know what's going on there. Um, and just to be able to connect with you. Um, take a look at uh, several things. Um, um, so we want to continue to re recognize the uh, prayers for Stephen Ministry. We also want to say a thank you to... Um, VBS, Melissa's leadership during that time um, and helping get that through. She did a great job. For all the volunteers who helped. Um, if you volunteered, uh, just kind of raise your hand where you are. I know they're probably all in Sunday school right now because they're gluttons for punishment, but they're also servants. So we want to continue. I should have done that early on today, um, but we want to thank everyone who did that as well. Um, again, in your rows, everybody should have a clipboard, right? Is that right? I know um, there's some here. Is that right? I'll take... There's three of them. Here we go. I'll take two of them. You can have one. There you go. There's that one. If you would, these are, um, as we said, uh, these are for um, summer Sunday school help. Um, we change it up a little bit. We provide everything for you. But we want to give our Sunday school teachers a break, um, as many of them have done Sunday school all year, as well as going ahead 
and from there going to um, not only helping with uh, Sunday school and vacation Bible school, but they continue the summer. And they, a lot of times they need a break. Anybody ever done something, volunteer, that you need a break? Okay, so the best way to do that is if you want to contribute. You may have had experience, and you may have said years ago, I did that years ago. That's okay. Um, God still got you here. You got breath and life, and you may want to make you younger um, or make you feel really old, either one, by coming. So go ahead and connect. We would love to have people volunteer for that. Um, there are several gaps that we don't have, and so we'll have to uh, go to plan X um, if we don't have that. So please go ahead and sign up if you, if you would do so. Um, also, Haiti trip uh, today. Um, I don't think we have anyone speaking today, but you've heard that several weeks. Um, ma- main thing is, it's coming, it's getting closer, it's, um, it's moving. Uh, we'll be here in a little over a month, and so, um, so, uh, but you can still give throughout the year, but we love for people to be able to give financially. Some, many have done that, we thank you, and I know there'll be some individual thank yous to you for that in the, in the, throughout the year. But you can give to that to help someone go. Um, you can see the cost of that and the number of people that are going. And continue to pray for everyone and pray for Haiti, pray for the flights, pray for everything around that mission section, if you would. Um, let me see if there's anything else that we have here. Uh, Debbie, did you want to say something? Come on, Debbie. All right, here we go. I'll grab, I'll grab a mic here. This is Becky's mic. So um, Debbie wanted to share something. Debbie is our prayer coordinator. And so she gets a lot of prayers, even some interesting ones, right? Yeah. Uh, we received a thank you card for prayer. Dear friends in Haven Community Church, there are no words to express the gratitude to you and your thoughtfulness and loving Christian support during Bill's recent heart episodes. Just to let you know, the congregation were praying for him and was very comforting. We are so very thankful that it is doing that he is doing well, and we know the pr- power of prayer. Please thank these who sent cards and the beautiful messages. Sincerely, Bill and Judy Scott. Thanks. And um, one of the things we wanted to do is um, we like to share because you know Christians are very good at at lifting up prayer requests, but we're not too good about telling people where God answered it. And I know Linda Stewart, who's probably watching online. Today, um, she showed me very early on in ministry that she would write down a prayer request in her Bible. It's okay to write in your Bible, okay? Just to let you know that. Um, she'd write a prayer request in her Bible. They give you a couple blank pages if you want to. And she would write it, and then she'd write the date of when it was answered. And what an awesome thing to be able to have a manual, not only of life in the Bible, but also have all the time God answered prayer. So that's re- really, really cool. Okay, so thanks, thanks for sharing. And keep the prayers coming. You can share in many, many different ways. Um, also, if, you wanna, if you're interested in Stephen Ministry, if you need some help, here's an insert about that. Um, or if you would like to become a Stephen Minister, that can happen as well. Uh, prayers. We have um, some prayers um, from Barbie and Michael Phillips. Landon is going to Sea Cadets Boot Camp for two weeks and leaves today. So prayers for strength and safety there. Okay, and... Okay, oh, he, went, he went out. Yeah, I was like, I, I thought you got rid of him already. He's like, hmm, he's... Okay. Okay, moving to Oregon, graduate, get to Oregon, right? So there we go. Lots of transition going on, so we want to pray for anyone going into transition. Okay, let's go to the Lord in prayer now. If you have prayer requests, by all means, fill them out in the back, or you can do so online, and they will go right to Debbie. Debbie, make sure they get out. I'm good, better, and different, okay? So, and I laughed because we had a really interesting person who I don't think loves the Lord that much. Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, we come to you today, and we recognize that when everything else in life uh, seems to be off kilter, you remain the same. You do not change, um, even though the culture and the people do, um, you don't. And so God, during this time right now, I ask you to just kind of minister your, your life and your word and your healing to us. And so we, we know that we have so many things going on in our lives, so many times of transition. We heard about several of those here today. Um, God, we also end up having um, times of sickness and, uh, and illness, times of loss and depression and all kinds of things. But God, we know that we serve an amazing Lord who has the answer to all things. And so God, um, whatever it may be, you be there for us. We also end up in this time and, uh, that we are, we are blessed to live in this country with all of its flaws and all of its uh, conflict and everything else. We still live in the greatest country on earth where we have freedom to come and worship you. And so God, um, in that hope and in that, uh, that, that goodness that you have given to us, there's also given responsibility. To whom much is given, much is required. To whom much is given, much more is demanded according to your word. And so God, as we have been blessed in many, many ways, bless more than beyond most of the world, where most of the world lives in, on $2 or less a day. Um, God, you have blessed us as a people in order to be a blessing to others. And so help find us faithful that as we receive your tithe and our offerings, that we recognize that we are just holders of this for you. And that it is our job to be your hands and feet on the earth. And God, through that, we ask that you move in mighty ways. Whatever it may be, maybe even service. As this clipboard comes around, we may say we don't have much to give financially, but God, we have time, and we just want to make a difference in the child's life. And so God, whatever it may be, we thank you for those blessings. Ask for your Holy Spirit to pour out on the gifts that we receive today and the gifts of your people here at Haven and around the world. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. song we did uh, after the uh, Hope Rising series and just uh, just want to revisit it, you know, I think it's just uh, got a great message to it and, you know, if you guys want to stand up one last time for Jack's sermon, hey, have at it because it's your last time to get up unless you go get a cup of coffee. <laughs> As I walk this great unknown, questions come and questions go. Was there purpose for this pain? Did I cry these tears in vain? I don't want to live in fear. I want to trust that you are near. Trust your grace can be seen in both triumph and tragedy. And I have this hope in the depth of my soul. Like the night will never end Will you catch every tear Or will you just leave me here And I have been told In the depth of my soul In the blood of the fire You're with me and you won't let go and I have this hope 
breath of my soul in the flood or the fire you're with me and I have this morning is Daniel 4 verses 1 through 3. King Nebuchadnezzar, to the nations and peoples of every language who live in all the earth, may you prosper greatly. It is my pleasure to tell you about the miraculous signs and wonders that the Most High God has performed for me. How great are his signs, how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an eternal kingdom. His dominion endures from generation to generation. You love it. Yeah. Admit to it. Where's that cheer after that happened? <laughs> that's pretty lame, but that's all right. Okay. All right. Welcome. How is everybody's week going? Oh, thank you, the three of you who said that. Okay. Um, all right. I shrunk over the week, so here we go. Let me, let me sit, put this up some. All right. Daniel. We are in the uh, series on the book of Daniel. And, um, and so Daniel is about 12 chapters. Um, it is not in a chronological order. The biblical writers are not like us. Uh, they don't care about uh, chronology. They care about theme, and it is in the prophecy books. But Daniel is not all a prophecy book. Daniel is also a history book. So the first part of this is history. You can match it up to what we know from other sources, and it's really kind of cool. It's about a lot of people who we kind of talk about now, very similarly. Uh, people from Babylon, which is modern-day Iraq, and they end up, by the end of the book, getting uh, conquered by the, uh, the Medes and Persians, who are his modern-day what? Iran. So you got Iran and Iraq. They still have some issues with each other, so nothing's changed since biblical times in many ways. And guess what? If people don't change often, here's the cool thing, neither does God. So there's some things in prophecy books. Prophecy means something for the people it was written to at the time, but it also means something for people in the future. And guess who that is? Us. So we've been digging into this uh, series. This was supposed to be the sermon I was going to give last week, but because of life and because of the Holy Spirit, God had me switch it. And I want to thank everybody for their, um, their really uh, kind words because uh, God was moving a lot last week. Am I right with that? Okay, he was moving, and it was just pretty cool um, how God moves in the midst of our brokenness as well as in all kinds of other things that we have. So 
Um, when Daniel was taken captivity, he was in is, what is modern-day Israel, and he was taken to Iraq, and um, he was about 16 years of age. He and some of the other guys who were really big um, and really the top of the top, they were the head of their school, they were the salutatorians and valedictorians of Hebrew school. Um, he would go ahead, they would take them, and those were the ones that instead of destroying them, the king would immerse them into the culture, and they would go ahead and they would try to get them to utilize the top knowledgeable ones and everybody for their deal. Now, Daniel spent the rest of his entire life from age 16 to about 80-some or 90 in captivity. And he lived through four different kings, give or take, um, that we have here. And um, he also was with some others. He had some other friends. Uh, we know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We talk about them week two. And in the series, what we're talking about is in prophecy, God, we, here's something that's not very popular now, that our actions bring repercussions. Am I right? That's not very popular now, but the things that we do bring repercussions. And one of the things that we do find is that God doesn't want us to have repercussions. How many of you have ever had children that you warned not to do something? How many of them did something? Okay, how many of you did you say, I told you so? And how many of you loved them through it, right? But they had to deal with some repercussions from those things. Anybody? Okay, same thing with God. God loves us enough to warn us we are adolescent enough in our lives to do what we don't want to, and then what ends up happening is we have to deal with some repercussions, but God is there to love us through it. So in the first week, we talked about how culture um, does some things. Number one, culture, what it wants to do is do exactly what it did to Daniel and to uh, Mishael and the others, um, which we know as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They want to change the name. They want to rename you. They want to take you from what God has intended for your life and change it to be what the culture has or the prince of this world, Satan, has for you. Week two, we talked about the test. Do you remember that? And the test is about worship. Will you worship and who will you worship if you do worship? And we, we talked about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel in the lion's den. Probably the two most memorable and biggest stories in, um, in the book of Daniel. But then we talked about one last week, the handwriting on the wall. And the whole fact that we only have so much of this life called the dash. And it's what we do in that that God has given to us. And we need to live with a sense of purpose and urgency um, and that we need to do it now because that's what God called us to. So now that we're caught up, today is the one I said was going to be last week. And this is probably not one of the most, um, you know, one of the most lovely, yay, kick my heels up uh, messages. But I believe it affects us all and it's very important. And I would say it's where culture ends up leading us all when we get wrapped up into culture. And, and I'd say it's probably if, if um, some of the other weeks we had the culture's biggest test today would be culture's biggest sin effect on us and I said the s word and I'm sorry because that makes people sit up a little bit higher in their chairs when you start to say that you kind of flex up a little bit all right so but anyway what, what am I talking about here and that sin is starts with a p it's called pride that we end up with a pride where we end up going ahead I believe it's very fitting for the summer but I also believe it's fitting for fall winter and spring and every day of our lives as well that pride i believe is the root I, I, you may say well jack isn't isn't, sec, isn't uh, sexual abuse a worse sin isn't um isn't murder a worse sin isn't um racism or sexism isn't that worse sin and i'm gonna tell you it all comes from pride i really believe it all comes from a pride that i can do what I want to do, and I am better than God, and I don't need God in the midst of this. And so in order to do this, we are going to talk about a really cool story and the life of Nebuchadnezzar, 
That's the, that's the king who went and got them all, right? Okay, um, from Israel. And this story will start with him sharing. It'll actually start at the end. It'll start with him sharing the story of his conversion, that at the end of his life, he actually followed the God of, of Daniel. Okay, it's a really awesome story. Here's a guy who invaded Israel, took them, was the most powerful person at one point in the world who ended up serving God and believing in God because of this. So that's where we're going to begin. So if you have your Bibles or if you have your bulletins, I've been really kind and gave you most of them because we got a lot of Scripture. You notice the blanks have shrunk down, but the Scripture's gotten bigger um, because the paper's only so big, and I'm not going to do that to you. But here we go. So let's start in Daniel chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. And it says... King Nebuchadnezzar, that's him speaking, to the peoples, nations, and men of every language who live in all the world, may you prosper greatly. Stop. Prosper. It doesn't mean financial prosper. We are caught in there. How many of you thought it meant, oh, may you get lots of money? May you get lots of stuff? Most of us do. I did. I do at times when I see that term prosper. And so really what it's not, it's not. It's not finances, not bigger house, bigger cars, not more stuff. What it means, it's a word that is very closely related to another word that you would know. It's a word called shalem. Everybody say that with me. Oh, very good. You guys are good. There's your, there's your Hebrew word. And it's, it's very closely related to another word called shalom. Okay? So you could have a shalem shalom. See, you sound like you're Hebrew, okay? So, but shalom, shalom. What, what it, shalom means peace, okay, at the root of the word. Um, but the shalom means a prosperity, a fullness of the soul, okay? So you can have a fullness of soul that brings you peace. With me? Which would be called? Shalom. There you go, good. You could say that to somebody today and they'll look at you and say, what? Okay? Um, but what we're looking for is this. So here he goes. He picks back up. He says, uh, may you prosper greatly. It is my pleasure to tell you about the miraculous signs and wonders that the Most High God has performed for me. So we know this is why he has this shalem, because God has done signs and wonders for him. How great are his signs, how mighty are his wonders. His kingdom will last a couple days. No, right? What does it say? His kingdom is an eternal kingdom. Now, you've got the most powerful person in the world who went in and took God's people and took them from Israel, if you need a map, Google it right now. You can do that. Take them from Israel to Iraq. If you went today and someone took the people of Israel to Iraq, they would not like it as well. Okay? Same thing. The same feelings are there. And they did that. But now you have the leader of Iraq, or the leader of Babylon, saying this. God has done wonders. And his kingdom, even though I'm pretty awesome, his kingdom is last forever and ever. Okay, that's a major transition here. I don't want you to miss out on that. I don't want you to miss out on that. Now. And he says, praises God for all generations. So let's see how this culture has an effect on us. And what I find out is, how many of you love the pace of your life? Raise your hand. There's no one. Okay, I got some, eh. How many of you would like it to be a lot more busier? How many like it to slow down? All right, there we go. So what I will tell you is the pace of our culture today is driving us all insane. It's driving us all completely insane. And you say, Jack, I still got some sense here. Here's what I'm going to tell you. Because Nebuchadnezzar had a warning, and he went through some stuff, and he had a warning that he did not adhere to, and it caused him literally to be insane. And the definition of insanity, I looked it up, means this. Deranged thinking. How many of you have some deranged thinking in your life? 
I know you all, every hand should be up in this place, all right? Some, what if I said demented thinking? There, there's a couple more hands. We live in a world filled with chaos. There is a madness in our culture, and it leads to our insanity. We do some really ridiculous things. I will give you an example. For instance, there are things that my parents, who are here today, that my parents would never do that we do as parents. Like, for instance, if you wanted to join 50 billion things during the week, my parents would have said, how you getting there? We, as parents, now figure out how we're going to get them there, right? Insane. With me? So that's just one example of things that we have. And you see that time and time again in our lives. Now, there's, what I want to do here is we see that this madness, and we live in the greatest country in the world, but I think we need to hear this warning for us here today in Haven and for anybody who hears this from now. And I want to share with you three insane thinking patterns that you may, we mess with and we dabble in in our lives. And I'm going to give you the scriptures first. This is kind of a little bit different for those of you who've been here. I'm giving scriptures first and then fill in the blank afterwards. All right? Might mess you up a little bit if you're used to getting the blank first and then listen to scripture. Everybody good with that? I don't care where you are or not. That's what I got. All right. So here we go. So the first thing is, it's found in Daniel 4.4. Uh, 4, and you have that printed in your bulletin. It says, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at home in my palace. And how was he? Contented and prosperous. There we go. That's the first thing that we have here. He was at home, contented and prosperous. And I am going to say to you that for all of our problems in the United States, most of us, and I'm not going to minimize those who are not, but most of us who live in this country are blessed to live in, in prosperity, and I'm talking about financial prosperity, that causes us to be contented, right? We, we want more because advertising tells us we need more, right? How many of you remember when you didn't have a cell phone? How many feel naked if you leave the house without it now? There you go. Okay? Because they tell us we need something. We've got to have it. We, we had, you remember, how many of you remember when you, uh, I remember watching uh, like The Price is Right and those shows and during the day and they would have like Tide that got out of every stain until New Improved Tide came out. I thought Tide got everything out, but now I need something New Improved. I guess I'm going to have tougher stains. Right? So, but they, they either lied to us, which they probably did, and we need something more. But we want new. We want more. We got to have. And now, anybody have first-generation iPhone or smartphone? Anybody? Okay. Any, anybody remember a flip phone? What did it do for you? Some of you still have it. We'll pray for you. Okay? We will pray. If, you know, if you really want to weird somebody out, take a bag phone. Remember those things? And pulling in. Remember, we thought Sonny Crockett was the coolest dude on earth when he stopped and was talking on his bag phone, right? We thought it was cool. Now we're like, look at that archaic dude, right? That doesn't happen anymore. We have these kind of things. So every, but one, I want to tell you, one of the problems throughout history, every generation that has had prosperity, has had prosperity, has, or had contentment, has struggled with prosperity. Every single one that has lived in contentment. I will give you, if you look at the Egyptian civilization that was around a heck of a lot longer than we've been, they were content, but they didn't know how to deal with the prosperity and it ended up their ruin. Their civilization started to go. The, Roman go. the Romans, the Greeks, I could go on and on and on and on. And we struggle with that because prosperity often leads to contentment and often leads to us, when we're content in what we have and what we do, then it leads to us being comfortable and not a need for God. 
And so the lesson and the warning is that we need to be able to be prosperous, but also be, remain close and need God in the midst of this. Often when we think too much of what we have or too much of what we are, we care less about who God is. And it makes God an add-on to our lives rather than the focal point of our lives and our existence. Everybody following along with me here? Everybody with me? Okay, and so here we go. So here's number one. When we're self-sufficient instead of God-dependent, it leads to a level of insanity. Some of us may say, not me, I'm here today in church. Awesome, but I'm gonna tell you, I am a pastor. I have a master's in divinity. I'm a divine master. And so what ends up happening is I do not always lean on God. There have been times, many times in ministry where I tried to be self-sufficient in ministry rather than God-dependent. And it left me wanting, broken, exhausted, and wanting to be done everything in life because I can't handle it myself. And I will tell you one of the keyest, key indicators in this self-sufficiency-based self, um, self, yeah, God-dependency, and it's in our prayer life, when we do and we don't pray, okay? I would say most of us are very, very good in the God, I need help, pray, right? I have a need, there's a situation, I'm in trouble, if my parents find out, they'll kill me, that kind of stuff, we pray, right? But when life is awesome and we're just skipping through the daisies, Often, we don't take time to pray. Now, there are those who do. Don't hear, don't hear me say I'm, not, I'm lumping everybody in. But statistically, we're finding out that many Christians, active Christians, who may sit in the church regularly, do not pray unless there is a need to pray, rather than a regular communication with God. And so we find this. So we pray when we need. I heard this um, I've heard stories before about people. Like, for instance, how do I know this? Let's look. I want to take you back several, several years. One of the times that in, I had one of the fullest services I've ever had in, in 21 years of ministry, at a time during the middle of the week on an unannounced, unplanned service, and it was one of the most packed, and it was, it was 9-11. On 9-11, nobody knew what to do. Our self-sufficiency had become vulnerable. And I remember riding around Fair Hill and handing out papers that I just made and say we're having a service at Morse Chapel. And some of you may have been there. I can't remember. But they were there, and we put it together, and people just came because they needed to connect. Churches were filled those following weeks because people needed answers. And I will also say here, churches played church rather than giving them what they needed churches did not give them jesus and hope they gave them what the normal business was and i and i'm not, i don't want to begrudge that as well because some some churches did awesome but many of us just lost the opportunity that we had in the tragedy of 9-11 but that's one area i've heard back that that for years anytime something happens we have that and so what we need to do is declare a de- declare a dependence on god every day of our lives For instance, this church is maintained and consistent by the prayers of people for this church. Now, I want to tell you something. I know a lot about me, and I'm thankful that many of you don't. 
Okay, because uh, there's a lot of things I know about me. I know that I was really good in school in some areas, and I realized that in some areas I was not. I will tell you my first GPA at college was a 1-6. Woo! All right? I rocked that 1-6 out with a smile. Okay? But a 1-6. Don't do what I did, kids. Got me? Okay? Um, and so what's very, very interesting is I had to learn some stuff about myself. I had to go ahead and change. And if you knew more about me, you would be surprised that this church even exists. You'd be surprised that it stays together. You would be, remember that whole thing I asked if you had demented thinking? Right here. This brain never stops, and it is weird. I'm right now looking at some of you. It's pretty demented. I'm just letting you know. Thank you, Jesus, for not sharing that on the board. Okay, but, but I will tell you, in six months, well, about six, six months, Haven Church will celebrate its 10th year in ministry. 10 years. 10 years. It has not been the smoothest transition. It has not been totally what I thought. But we are here because of the prayer, a prayer, and because, ready for this, the favor of God. Statistically, most churches, most church starts fail within the first year. We're talking 80% fail. And by four years, it's like 90-some. So for some crazy reason, God wants us here. That's the only reason we're here. It's not because of me. It's not because of how good-looking I am. That helps. But I'm just telling you, that's not the main reason. It's not because we have the greatest musical talent. It's not because we have uh, j- just, uh, you make it up. It's not because of that. It's not because we have the, an awesome light and laser show like Pink Floyd. That's not what happens. It's because of the prayer people and the favor of God. And the moment God takes his favor away, the moment this is done, and that's why we got to step up the prayers and be God-dependent. It happens. Because I can tell you, I went, God put me in these church growth things, and I tell you, I was so smart when I started this thing, I knew exactly how every step of this journey was going to go. And then about six months in, I did not have a clue what I was doing. And guess what? After 10 years, I got even less clue. But i got to remain fully dependent on God who does. And who's the one who called it and birthed it? And you see, churches go through things just like kids do. There's that adolescent stage where the parents have to nurture it and bottle feed it and change his diapers. Then it gets to the little kid stage where it thinks it can do what it wants. It says, no, I can do this. We can do this. That's a church. I want to be this. I want to be that. I want to be that. Then it, Now we're getting ready to end the adolescent stage. This should be really fun, shouldn't it? as a church, okay? But God's calling us on to maturity. It's prayer and the Holy Spirit that makes us go. We need to raise up prayer and need to turn back to God dependency, not self-sufficiency in our lives. You see, Nebuchadnezzar had this dream. And his dream was this. This isn't in your bulletin because there's way too many verses. But he had this dream and he saw a tree over Babylon and it had fruit on it and it was strong and it was growing. And then all of a sudden, he saw it stripped down and cut down, and all that was left was a stump. And he was hoping that it was his enemies. You know, when the, when the tree grew up nice and, and strong and fruit-filled, he was like, yeah, I hope that's us. But when the, it was left with a stump, he's like, I hope that's them suckers up the road. And he tried to get everybody to interpret it. Nobody could, but Daniel did. And Daniel begins to interpret this in Daniel 4, 22. He begins to say, he says, that tree is you. 
That tree is you. He says, your majesty, you are that tree. Now stop right here. Nebuchadnezzar was not a believer at this time. He was known as a very nasty person that if you came against him, he would kill you. He didn't have a problem with it. So Daniel, by interpreting this and saying this, could have been killed on the spot. But Daniel tells us something about people of God that it doesn't matter when God gives us something to say, we need to say it and be bold about it. He said, you have become great and strong. You know, our country from its fledgling areas have become great and strong. We as a people have become great and strong. It's reached the sky and your dominion extends to distant parts of the earth. Your majesty saw a holy one, a messenger coming down from heaven, an angel that said, cut down the tree and destroy it, but leave a stump. And that's a key thing. Take a look at that stump, that there are repercussions. Remember we talked about that? There are repercussions if you don't heed the warning. But God always leaves a remnant. God always leaves a stump. Look at the person next to you say, God leaves a stump. And those of you look back at him and say, okay, stumpy. Okay, there you go. God always leaves a stump. Because out of a stump can come new life. You know, anybody had one of those butterfly bush trees things? You plant a little, like, sprig in there, and by the end of the summer, it's like, you, gotta, you need a machete to get through it, right? And we had a couple bad winters, and I had to, like, I, I took a chainsaw and hacked it down to it. just had a stump. And I said, well, I guess it's gone. You know that thing is back to being a tree? You see, that's, that's, what we, that's what God wants to tell us, that even though the repercussions are there and that we take stuff, that from the stump, there can be new life. There can be new life. You see, we, we, I've heard people say before that God has brought his punishment on on the United States, or God has brought his punishment on our world. And I don't believe that. I believe that what God doesn't bring the, the punishment, I believe what God does, what, what happens is we step out of his protection. We step out of where God is. We do things in our lives that God said, don't do this or else this will happen. And we do it because we are self-sufficient. And when we step out, we find out, why, why, why is this happening? Because we've stepped out of God's provision and end up with his judgment. Okay, so he says, um, so we're, we're here some more. Let's see what else we got here. And then it says, a messenger coming down, cut down the tree. Um, and it says, uh, then he says, but I will leave the stump beyond, bound with iron and bronze. In the grass of the field, while its roots remain, let him, talking about Nebuchadnezzar, be drenched with dew of heaven. Let him live with the wild animals until seven times, that seven years pass by him. This is the interpretation your majesty, and this is the decree the Most High has issued against the Lord my King. In other words, you better start thinking about God or you're going to end up like a stump. Worse, you're going to be like a wild animal running there for seven years. King probably said, that's funny. I must have ate something wrong that day, but I'll, I'll be good. So then, here we go. Then it says, from here, next version of Daniel. It says, you will be driven away from your people. You will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like cattle. You will be drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge <coughs> that the Most High is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and gives to everyone he, as he wishes. So in other words, he says, this is what's going to happen to you if you don't get it right. Number two, here's what we have. You see, Nebuchadnezzar comes out and says, look at my greatness. I'm the man. I am Nebuchadnezzar. I'm the dude. I can do whatever I want. I am the man. Look at my greatness. And here's the next thing. Here's the next thing that we get insane by. When we give credit to ourselves, 
instead of the credit, give the credit to God. We give ourselves credit, the credit instead of giving it to God. We need to thank God. We need to give thanks to God. You know, we've gotten lazy to the point that we don't even stop to thank God for the food that we put on our, that's put on our table. We don't even stop to wake up in the morning and say, thank you, God, for giving me breath to do something today. We, don't even get, we definitely don't give thanks to God when somebody cuts us off and we're not in an accident. We give somebody else something, don't we? You see, when it's raining, we get up and go, what? Yeah. When it's snowing, we go, uh. When it's hot out there, we go, uh, too hot. Right? You know, I, I was talking the other day, and I spent 46 years building this life and this reputation, whatever it may be, depending on who you talk to. But, you know, as we talked last week, it could be gone in a heartbeat if God doesn't give me the breath to live it out. The other thing is it can be destroyed in a heartbeat if I step out of what God's will is for my life. You see, because we may say to ourselves, but I went to school and I studied all those hours and I did this and I worked hard and I did that. Yeah, you did. But guess what? If, God, if, that, if that breath is taken from you tonight, all that's gone right here in this world. So we are really fully dependent on God, whether we like, want to acknowledge it or not. And what God is saying, give me some credit. You see, God is somewhat a little bit of egomaniac, and he should be, because he created all this, and he loves you. And he says, don't forget me. I'm tired of you forgetting about me. Here I am. I love you. You know, there are two people that you need to recognize that you guys don't have a clue who they are. Some of you may know some of them, may know one of them. There are two people that are instrumental because they, they serve God, they they gave God credit in their lives by obeying him, and because of them, this church is here. One of them is a lady named Flo Dixon, which I know a couple of you know. Flo Dixon was a lady I had for nine, as a parishioner for nine years in Morse Chapel. I left and went to Lewis. She, had, she, she was always walking and doing stuff very healthy, and she ended up dying of cancer. I met with her, and I talked to her, and she said to me, hey, I'm going to tell you what, something. Um, I'm going to give you this amount of money. I'm not going to give the specifics because I know some people know her. Um, but it was a good amount of money. Before I, and I was still a pastor in the United Methodist Church, Dana Lewis. She goes, because I know that you and God want to start a church. And that's what that money's for. Right when I was leaving Lewis, I don't even know what I, I can't even remember what I had mentioned yet. I did a wedding for somebody who knew, eh, not that much. Their aunt from a place in northern, north central Pennsylvania was there. I was in the office one day, and they said, this is for you, Jack, and I get this card, I open it up, I start to read it. There's a check in there, a check for $1,000. Um, and it says, God told me to give this to you because I, he, I know he wants to start a ministry. He wants you to start a church. Take that, utilize that. I'm glad to give it to you. And guess what her name was? Angel. Isn't that cool? Because I can tell you, I was going through a time where I was saying, God, really, you want me to do this? And I was just finding out that the people that were enticing me to go ahead and do this weren't coming through what they promised to do. I was getting ready to see that, but I had already kind of gotten in the middle, and I was not really well liked by the people who were leaving, and it was not a fun time. And I was like, maybe I just need to be in a 10-point charge somewhere out in Pocomoke. I don't know. We'll just work it, God. And God sends an angel with $1,000 that was some of the first seed money for this church. Okay? Two people that some of you have no clue about are responsible because they were open to God's calling on their lives. I love this verse from 1 Corinthians chapter 4 in the Living Version. It says, what, what are you so pulled up about? 
What do you have that God hasn't given you? And if all you have is from God, why act as though you are so great and as though you have accomplished something on your own? Wow, I told you that ain't fun, is it? You know, like for instance, I gotta tell you, my kids love to spend my money. Anybody been in that experience? If it's their money, if you give, like, like Jacob's great, you'll give him 20 bucks and like to go pick up something that's probably five. I'll say, where's my change? Well, I got this, this, and this, and here's some, here's 50 cents. I'm like, what? Out of 20? What, what the heck happened to that? You know, so they'll do that at times, right? Anybody have that experience? You know, and they do that at times. But when it's your own money, you're a little bit more careful with it. I mean, hopefully, some of us aren't. You know, in other words, what we have is God's money. It's God's, what we have was given to us for God, and we are just stewards. Because guess what? One day someone will drive your car, or it'll be in a junkyard. One day somebody will live in your house, or it'll be torn down. One day somebody will get your favorite t-shirt or your favorite jeans that your family put out at the yard sale, (laughs) or in Goodwill. Am I lying here? Not at all. Look at what it says here further in Daniel chapter 4. This is number 3. 4. 26. The command to leave the stump of the tree with its roots means that your kingdom will be restored to you when, when, look at this, when you acknowledge that heaven rules. Don't you love that? You see, the first one was self-sufficiency over God dependency. The second one is God is the source of all, so we need to thank him. And this third one, Nebuchadnezzar, hasn't learned yet, but he's going to learn that heaven rules. Everybody say heaven rules. Say it like with a valley voice. Heaven rules, dude, right? Okay, right? We debate in our culture constantly who rules. We look at what God says in his word, and then we question it, and we try to finagle around it to make God fit into what we believe and what we think is right and what our lives want to do, rather than saying, we, we start to say, well, that, that's cool back then, God, but this is now. We don't believe that heaven rules by our culture. We believe we rule and God's in there somewhere. And God fits in this place somewhere. And so guess what? We end up as a stump. And look at the insanity that our world's in. Look at the insanity that this greatest country on earth is in now. And has been in some time. And how many of you have ever said about what's going on in our country and our world and said it's insane? Because it is because we have made the culture God, not God God. It is insane, and we should not be shocked by it. We have rejected the word of God. And you may say, well, Jack, prove that this is what happens. If we get back to God, it'll get right. I will, because I'll stand on the word of God from 2 Chronicles 7, 14. If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and turn from their wicked ways, then, notice the conditional, if then I will heal their land. Right? It's conditional. You see, the stump can grow again. And you know what sin is? If you want to remember what sin is, I'm going to give you a term. Sinatra. Sin is doing it my way, not God's way. Sinatra. See, you guys are going to remember that one. Number three, number three here we go. When we think we know best instead of recognizing that heaven rules. You know, we need to follow God. Some of you remember several years ago in Sandy Hook. Remember that? When the individual went into an elementary school. 
and needlessly mowed down young, innocent children and teachers and others. And with that, so many people in the news, people in politics, people like you and me around the water cooler, every other place, we're trying to find out what is going on that this happens. It seemed to jolt us to a place. I had people reaching me on Facebook that began to come to church, and some of them don't come anymore because life has gotten comfortable and prosperous again. But one person, and this is not a political statement, hear me at all, this is not about political, but one person who, mentioned, who said something really rung out to me, and it was Governor Mike Huckabee. And he said, he was asked in an interview, what's going on here? And he said this, he said, for 50, he said, if you want to hear what I believe, I'm going to just tell you. For 50 years, we've systematically attempted to have God removed from our schools, our public activities, but then at the moment when we have a calamity, we wonder where he is. It's far more than taking prayer or Bible reading out of school. It's the fact that people sue a city um, to remove a cross that's a memorial to a fallen soldier. Churches and Christian-owned businesses are told to surrender their values under the edict of government, uh, government orders to provide tax-funded uh, abortion pills. We carefully and intentionally stop saying things um, are sinful, and we call them disorders. Sometimes we even say they're normal. And to get to where we have to abandon bedrock moral truths, we ask, well, where is God? As I responded, as I see it, We've escorted God right out of our culture, and we've marched him off into the public square and then expressed our surprise that a culture without him actually expresses what it's become. Somebody's going to suggest that we pass a law to stop this kind of thing. I might want to point out that we don't need to pass a new law. There's one that works if we teach it and observe it. Thou shalt not kill. Oh, there's about nine others, but to tell you about them will require bringing God back and I know how unacceptable in our culture that may be. Apart from where you stand, we got to recognize that we are worried about manger scenes and not worried about the incredible evils that are pervasive in our society that have brought it to this point. In, in Isaiah 66.2, it says this. This is the one thing I esteem. This is the one I esteem. How many of you like to be esteemed, lifted up by God? Anybody? Let me try that again. How many of you like to be esteemed by God? How many like like God to just totally hate you? Okay, there we go. The reverse of that. Then what do we do? I esteem he or she who is humble and contrite or broken in spirit and what? Trembles at my word. Remember I said the other week we've lost the ability to blush. We have also lost the ability to tremble at the word of God. That if we don't lift it up, something can happen. Often we spend too much time trying to understand God not, rather than accepting his word. I don't understand God because I'm not God. So how is our sanity restored? You'll be excited. It's going to be very quick. We're going to rip through this uh, scripture, and we're going to, I'm going to give you three things. It says, so now we're at Daniel chapter 4, verse 27. Therefore, your majesty, I'm pleased to accept my advice. I'm at 27. It's not there, but in yours, but just bear with me. Renounce your sins by doing what is right and your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed that it um, may go and you may have shalem. There we go. Nebuchadnezzar did not do that. And you know, when he, so he goes up to the roof of his palace. His roof had what is one of the seven wonders of the world, the hanging, uh, hanging gardens of uh, Nebuchadnezzar in the Babylonia. They were one of the top ones in the world. It was a step pyramid that has these incredible gardens. He did it for his wife. Isn't that nice, ladies? Okay. Um, 
then next verse. All this happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. Twelve months later, as the king was walking on the roof of his palace, he said, and I want you to listen to this, is not this the great Babylon I have built as the royal authority, uh, as the royal, here we go, and he says, here it says, um, the royal palace of Babylon. It's not the great Babylon I have built. As royal authority has been taken from you, you will now be driven away. He was in the middle of speaking, this is what happened. Royal authority has been taken from you. You will be driven away from people, will live with wild animals. You will eat grass like the ox. Seven times, seven years will pass before you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign, ruler of all kingdoms of the earth, and gives them to anyone he wishes. In other words, this is what's going to happen to you. You're I, me, I, me. You didn't heed my warning. So now you're up here looking at your greatness. I'm going to cut your legs out from under you, and this is what's going to happen. And it says, immediately what had been said about Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. He was driven away from the people. He ate grass like the ox. His body was drenched with the dew of heaven until his hair grew like feathers of an eagle, and his nails were like the claws of the bird. So if you want to look like an animal, you want to eat grass, you want to have claws, you want to have feathers, some of you in the 80s with those feathers and the big comb in your back pocket are getting excited about that. There was bad styles moved from it. Here's what it says. It says, at the end of that, Nebuchadnezzar got his senses back, and he said, at that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven, and my sanity was restored. Then what did I do? I praised the Most High. I honored and glorified him who lives forever. In other words, he was saved. He accepted God. His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the people of the earth. No one can hold back his hand or say to him, what you, have you done? At the same time, my sanity was restored, my honor and splendor, the stump started to grow, was returned to me. For the glory of my kingdom. My advisors and nobles sought me out, and I was restored to my throne. I became even greater than before. Now I, now he's looking back, now he's saying, Now, to this day, I, Nebuchadnezzar, what did I do? I praise and exalt and glorify the King of heaven because everything he does is what? Right, and all his ways are just. You see what he does. Nebuchadnezzar and us, we need to do what Charles Spurgeon said. Charles Spurgeon said, uh, a great minister, said, we do not worship enough, even in public. And so he was restored and returned to reasons through worship and prayer. God's goal was not to destroy Nebuchadnezzar, but to put him in the proper place where God had put him, below God, but ahead of others. If we walk in pride, as this says, those who walk in pride, he is able to humble God will humble us one way or the other. James 4, 6 says, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. There are three quick things that I'm zipping through right now. How we get our sanity restored. We need to praise and exalt the king of heaven. Get thrilled in worship or whatever. Find God. Some people say, that's not my style. That's not my style of worship. Worship is not about me. It never has been about me. The Bible says, I left my hands in the sanctuary, and I bless the Lord. That may not be your style, but the scripture says, scripture never says, I worship with my hands closed in a solemn beast. <laughs> I sit like this and go, God is awesome, right? No, the scripture says this, clap your hands, all you people. Shout to the Lord with a voice of triumph, Right? Thank you for a couple of those people who did that too. All right. 
Clap your hands, all you people. Shout to the... There you go, there you go. If your little Billy hit a little run and ran to third base into first, you'd be like, yeah, Billy, way to go, you know? I long for the day. I long for the day when somebody comes to church and then after church they say to somebody, do you hear a word he said? No, too many people shouting today. They were clapping. I was like that person clapping. I'm like, shut up so I can hear him, right? Sandy was restored when he gave praise, the praise to God that he deserved. Man, I would love to have a, sh- I'm not saying we got to be Pentecostal and have a fit and foam at the mouth for some of you Pentecostal. That's okay. You can do that. I don't care. I mean, we'll just put you in a corner or lock you in a closet somewhere. I don't know. What the- but I'm just saying we need to get a little bit more excited about our God. Because he's excited about you. He loves you. When you're, when you're in this game of life, he's going, go on, Jack. You got it, boy. Yeah. Oh, you're going the wrong way. I'm going to have to kick you in the butt, boy. Get over there. He loves me. He's excited about his kids. He loves them. Even when we mess up, he still loves us. Number two, accept that God does everything right. And all his ways are just. All his ways are just. We got to throw out the box that our culture wants to throw God in. When you talk to some people, if you want to have fun today, go to a place and say, what do you think of God? And people say, I think he's just cruel and mean and nasty and rigid. And there'll be other people who say, oh, I just think he's, he's just loving and wonderful, but I don't like the Old Testament God. I like New Testament. Hey, tell you, it's the same God. But it's about love, and it's so much love that he gave his son for us so that we don't have to go through that sacrificial thing, and I don't have to be a butcher up here today. That I, that the fact is, my sin butchered Christ on a cross, and I am saved by his precious blood. So I need to stop the insanity that I'm living through and I need to accept his word that he is just and he is right. And even though he slayed me, he loved me. Number three, walk in humility. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's about thinking less about yourself. It's that simple. It's not about me. You're to be a blessing to others. The worship team comes up. I'm going to finish with this today. You guys said, you said that five minutes ago. All right. James 4, chapter 10 says this. Humble yourselves before the Lord. Because here's the thing. We are all going to be humbled one day. Every knee will what? Bow. Bow. And every tongue confess that he is Lord. So guess what? It is, anybody ever played a game with your siblings, mercy? Where you lock hands? Anybody not played it? You lock hands and you go, mm, you try to crush each other's fingers and, you know, like, say mercy. And then you're like one of those mean siblings and they do it and they say, I said mercy. <laughs> mercy. You keep crushing it. We are all going to be, we are all going to be humbled. So what's easier to do? Humble yourselves in front of God or be humbled by God? For me, I just want to be humble in the presence of God. And that's what I got today. That's all I got today. So we need to enter into culture. And I'm going to speak real quick to a lot of you have transitioned. Because I know that you've gotten through this station, whether you're just graduated and you're going through this new phase in life. And you're getting rid of the parents for a while, which is really cool at first. I'm just letting you know. Um, I'm letting you know. Okay. Um, and parents, it's really cool when they go for a while. And then when they come back, you want them to go again. Right? I see the parents who's had that happen again. But what I want to tell you is simply this. 
is simply this. Do not think that because you've entered the stage in your life, whether you're going into college or whether you're in a new transition in some area of your life, that you have no need for God. Because humble yourself or he will humble you. I have been humbled by God and on the floor of life. And I did my thing and my thing left me so broken that I almost wanted to end it all. Don't do that. This is the warning from God. You'll have some stumpy times in your life. But I can tell you, I am a public witness that God starts with a stump again and brings some growth. It may look more like a brown bush, but it's okay. God has love for you. Amen? Amen. Stand up. All right. God, I want to I just want to stop right now and just say, I thank you for Daniel. Oh, my. What an awesome person. And God, he never, ever got back to the promised land, the land that he started off with his first 15 years of his life. But, God, where you placed him, he changed the world by being faithful to you. And so, Lord, as we are here today, and there's so many of us in, at some point in our lives, and we look at our world around us, and, and there's people in this room that we're, we come from different walks and different backgrounds, and we have different theories and different uh, feelings and different political affiliations, different ideas about life. God, just help us to embrace the fact that all that is, is cool, but ultimately is you and your word and that we need you. And so, God, as we are here today, I just want to pray for everybody here today, that those who have never opened their lives to you in your heart. Those who are struggling and trying to find out whether you even exist. Those who are just hurt and angered and frustrated and just dealing with all kinds of emotions. Those who have, who have had people who were in positions of trust to break that trust and just, just crush them in their lives. And they're wondering where that loving God is. They're wondering that if you're even there. God, help us just stop right now and to say, Unfortunately, our culture, which was one na- founded as one nation under God, and this world that you hold the, in the palm of your hand, that you formed and you did out of love and fellowship with us, that it's gotten off track. Help us to return to you and receive that love. For those who need to accept Jesus just for the first time and say, okay, I'm going to, I, I, I want to see what you got for me, God. Say, okay, God, it's time. It's time that I'm going to come in as broken, as frustrated, as angry, as confused as ever. And I want you to tell me you're real. For others who've gotten off and, and embraced culture, as many, most of us do, over, over your word, speak your word to us and, and, and forgive us, God. These altars are open. God, your word is strong. Your presence in this room is moving in a mighty way. For those who are at home, who are watching right now, I want you to, I just believe right now, God, wherever you are, God wants you to just raise your hands and praise and exalt the King of Heaven. And recognize Heaven rules. That's all He wants you to do. Is to recognize He rules and watch Him grow that stump of your life into a beautiful redwood oak tree. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray.
Uh, have an awesome week in the Lord. Next week, right here, next week, outstanding qualities. Okay, we're going to talk about some outstanding qualities. We're going to be moving a little bit. And um, two more weeks in the series. The last week, we're actually going to be talking about somebody known as the Antichrist. And we're going to talk about some of that end time stuff. So if you want, you're interested in that, cool. If not, show up anyway. You will be. Um, all right. So I have an awesome week in Jesus. If you, you know, want to head out of here, get ready to head out of here, and you still need to talk, we're around. We're here uh, for you, the Steve ministers, myself. And um, but most of all, um, may you see the love of God in the midst of this culture, in this world. And may people see the love of God in you, his people. Amen? Have a great week. Give me your heart, give me your songs.